What's going on, Real Sports fam? Welcome to episode 18 of the Real Underscore Sports Podcast, a Snapchat sports pod. On this episode, we have a special guest, John Gruden, from last night or yesterday's Hard Knocks episode, coach of the Oakland Raiders. Maybe some more special guests to be named. We're also going to talk about Kevin Durant reports that came out today. The best athlete under 28 and the Ezekiel Elliott holdouts. So let's get it. And down goes Frazier. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Curry, way downtown. Bang! Bang! Gives it to Jenkins for the All right, now joining us is a special guest who may or may not have been on Hard Knocks last night. John, how you doing? What is going on, Real Sports fam? It's good to be here, Jack and Abe. Good to see you guys, man. John, that was that was a good first episode of Hard Knocks. We're excited for the season. Call him coach. Call him coach. coach. Show some respect. Coach, I'm sorry about that. Thank you. Um, let's just start off. The addition of Derek not Derek Carr, the addition of Antonio Brown to the team paired with uh, Derek Carr. What what offensive type of uh, effectiveness are you looking for? Well, we're looking for this guy to be effective right away, man. I mean, I know he went down with a fluke injury, but Antonio Brown, when healthy, is the best wide receiver in the league, man. I know he went down with the injury. He was wearing the wrong footwear in the hyperbaric chamber, and that's something I'm going to have to talk to the training staff about. But – at the end of the day, man, he'll be back for week one, and we're looking for him to make an immediate impact with Derek Carr, who you know how I feel about. Coach, um, first off, thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Uh, big fan ever since your Tampa days. So you, you said yourself you, you listen to the podcast, right? You're a fan? I'm a big fan, man. And I like, yes. how, I like how you're you're really hyping up the Raiders this year. There you man. go. That's what I wanted to talk about. So I – I have gone on record to say the Raiders are my sleeper team of this upcoming season. I think they'll take a big jump and even have a chance to make noise and go to the playoffs. Uh, Jack, on the contrary, laughed in my face about that and doesn't doesn't think that this season for you guys is going to be too promising. I just wanted to uh, know if you have any comments on that, my prediction versus Jack. Yeah, well, I think your prediction is completely right on, Abe. I mean, I know that... We had some losses. We gave up Khalil Mack to the Bears, who's a perennial Gruden grinder of the night candidate. But we got some young guys that are coming in ready to fire and ready to make an impact. And I think we will be a playoff team this year. I don't know what Jack is smoking, men, but it's something strong. I love that. Coach, um, so you touched on it briefly. Antonio Brown, he goes into this uh cold coldness that's supposed to help his feet he wears the wrong shoes and what what do you say because you you cut a big player on hard knocks last night and this is now your star player who who he's not putting in the work um like he should be how do you kind of react to something like that in the locker room when he's supposed to be a leader of the team yeah you know it's a complete fluke injury man i'm not buying into it too much the guy's been a leader he's been a leader in locker rooms i know he's had some personality issues, but playing on my team, there will be no personality issues, man. It's my way or the highway. You saw it with Ronald Ollie. He got cut in 25 minutes, man. I don't play no BS. 
And that's just how it's going to be at the Oakland Raiders organization. I say once a Raider, always a Raider. And Antonio Brown is a Raider, man. Coach, I love that. Um, especially me being so high on the Raiders. I need that sense of chemistry going on, going on in the locker room. But I did want to bring up uh, your past. Um, since you recently retired, or not recently, way back when in your Buccaneers days, uh, you spent some time with ESPN doing some Gruden QB camp stuff. You were high on my guy Christian Hackenberg out of Penn State. Uh, so what is it that you look for in these guys, like when you bring them into your Gruden grinder room and, and analyze their film? What, what is that it that you're looking for to explain to them and to show – how they can transition to the next level. Yeah, well, it's exactly that, man. I'm looking for that it factor. I'm looking for them to read through multiple progressions and make the right play, man. Christian Hackenberg, it didn't really pan out, but I'll tell you what. This guy, this smart guy, Andrew Luck, I was so impressed by in my Gruden QB camp, except for the one time he tried to run the X on a spider through Y banana. You can't run the X on a spider through Y banana, but that's about it, man. He's a really good guy, and that, that's what I'm looking for. Smart guys that love to lead and love to be the head of the offense, man. Coach, I really appreciate that insight into the QB camp. What What are your thoughts on Lamar Jackson now that you have all that experience coaching up quarterbacks? You've seen – I feel like after seeing a bunch of the quarterbacks, some pan out, some quite don't. Lamar had an interesting season. He's 6-1 and one in the regular season, but his passing wasn't great. I'm curious how you have an outlook on the on the rest of the league's young quarterbacks. Yeah, well, I've been listening to the podcast, man, and I know you're a big Ra- uh, Ravens fan, and I know you like Lamar Jackson, but let me tell you, the guy's got limitations. I don't know if he can really throw the ball at the next level. There's no doubt he's a dual threat, and he can really do it on the ground but we've yet to see him really air the ball out. And until I see that, I can't really buy into the Ravens, man. What about uh, what about my guy Carson? Uh, I'm sure you brought him into your QB camp, well, being that he was the top quarterback, one of the top quarterbacks uh, drafted right behind Goff out of North Dakota State. What do you think about my guy? Well, you heard what I said on, on uh, the QB camp. Carson Wentz is North Dakota tough, man. The guy can really sling it. He's got balls, man, and that's what you look for in a quarterback. You look for a guy that can sling the ball in whatever pressure, no matter what, and that's the type of guy who will really lead a team to the playoffs. I'm liking the Eagles to be a, a playoff candidate this year, potentially a Super a Super Bowl candidate, man. Maybe I can get my uh, my Raiders-Eagles Super Bowl. What do you think about that, John? Or Coach, sorry. Sorry, I want to respect you. I would really like that, man, and I think it would be a great matchup for us. And I'm really looking for the Oakland Raiders to make a push towards that Super Bowl, man, and bring Love the glory back to the Oakland franchise, man. Love it. Coach, last thing before you head off to uh, probably record another episode of Hard Knocks, how do you feel about uh, the upper management, right? They they haven't been great drafting of recent. Uh, you got Al Davis's son or whoever's running the franchise. Do you, feel like, do you feel like he – Mark Davis, yes, thank you. Do you feel like he's uh, giving you the full reins and control to put the right pieces in the right places? Yes. I mean, I I have all the faith in the world in Mark Davis. I mean, just look at the contract, man. They, they signed me for 10 years, $100 million. They know that I'm here to make decisions. They know that I'm here to lead and I'm here to bring the glory back and bring the Oakland Raiders to the promised land, man. I got all the faith in the world and the management, and I think it's going to be a great year, man. Coach, I mean – I don't want to take up more of your time. You're obviously a very busy man. You got a playoff to make. Uh, so I guess we can leave on what's that 
that one message you you want to instill in your in your uh, players this season? I mean, training camp opened just what a little under two weeks ago. So what's that? What's that message you're trying to hone in on and have the engraved in the players' heads as they attack camp, the preseason, and eventually first week in September, the regular season? Well, I'm sure you guys heard it on Tuesday night, but I told the guys. Everybody right now has dreams, don't they, guys? I said it to the rookies. All right, everybody in the NFL, I have a dream of making it in the NFL. I got a dream of winning the Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in the Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into fucking nightmares. You guys with me with that? You got to end somebody's dream. You got to take their job. You got to take their heart. You guys clear about this NFL shit now? We're not trying to go to the Peach Bowl. We're not trying to go to the Gator Bowl or the Blue Bonnet Bowl. We're trying to go to the Super Bowl, okay? And to do that, you got to really try to end somebody's dreams. Are you clear on that, Farrell? Okay, I mean that now. So get into that. Coach, you're making me want to run through my computer screen right now. Yeah, I want to run through a brick wall after that. Maybe I should buy higher on the Raiders. What do we think? I'm saying, Jack. You got to buy in, man. It's going to be quite the year. Coach, I really appreciate you coming on the program. Good luck to Oakland and the Raiders the rest of the year. My uh, Abe, your pick to win rookie of the year is their running back, Josh Jacobs. So Josh hopefully, Jacobs, big thing out of that Alabama back. Josh Jacobs, they'll be player, man, right out of Alabama. He's got that Nick Saban knowledge. He's coming in. He's making an impact right away. All right, Real Sports fam, we have some bad news, and that is that the John Gruden that we had on the program was actually not John Gruden. Uh, give it up for our best friend, Evan Heller, our own personal Frank Caliendo, the king of impressions. Evan, say what's up to the Real Sports fam. What's going on, Real Sports fam? What up, Jack uh, and Abe? Good to be here. Um, <laughs> that was unbelievable job. We're very. Um, I had myself muted the entire time. We were talking about this before, how like I, cu- I couldn't contain myself. Every time you started speaking, I I just immediately put myself on mute. But yeah, I mean, to the Real Sports fam, uh, me, Evan, and Jack grew up together. I've been really good friends our entire life. And Evan has been entertaining us with these impersonations our entire life. Everything from uh, John Gruden to Mark Jackson. Actually, funny story. Evan and I actually sat courtside for a Sixers-Warriors game this year. And of course, Mark Jackson, Breen... Uh, Van Gundy and the crew, they were on the call. And Mark Jackson's walking by our seats pregame. And I was saying the entire time, like, Ev, you got to do your impersonation for either. Because he's got a Mike Breen. He's got a Mark Jackson. I was like, you got to do it for Mark Jackson. He was like, ah, I don't know. So finally, I just took the initiative. Had a few drinks, so I was feeling good. Um, Mark walks by. I go, hey, Mark, a buddy of mine does a good impersonation of you. He didn't seem too interested. Then Evan went on and did it for him. And he actually gave me his phone and real sports fam can check it out on Mark Jackson's Instagram and made me record Evan doing the impersonation for him. And then he then posted it to his personal Instagram the the day later. So um, Mark Jackson's definitely your repertoire. You want to bust that out right now, Ev? Yeah. Why don't we we run through a few? We'll go Mark Jackson, Breen, maybe a Van Gundy so you can do the whole crew and then pop a Stephen A or two at the end. For sure. Um, the Mark Jackson one that's on his Instagram goes a little like switching a pick and roll. You a lamb to turn the corner and mama there goes that man. Kobe Bryant. Lakers up 11. It gets better every time. Yeah, that's the one that's on uh, Mark Jackson's personal Instagram. Uh, you've got a Breen too, a Mike Breen, don't you? Yeah, I do. Um, the Warriors have a timeout. Decide not to use it. Curry, 
way downtown. Bang! Bang! <laughs> I won't stop him, Steph Curry! The classic bang. Do you have a Van Gundy in your bag? I don't I have a Van Gundy. Van Gundy's, just, Van Gundy's just talking normal, and it's just like... All he's doing is complaining. No, he's just making up new rules for the NBA <laughs> yeah. about how he doesn't think one thing should be called one way and how they should completely rewrite the rule book. That, that is Jeff Van Gundy in a nutshell on the call. <laughs> All right, so we have a couple famous Stephen A. rants that are just literally historical memories. Um, run through a couple of your favorites. Yeah, so one of my favorites is when the Knicks uh, drafted Kristaps Porzingis and how pissed off and horrified Stephen A. Smith was. So he goes, first things first, I was on vacation. And to be here right now to talk about this is just disgusting. But it's a situation we're in and the situation that Phil Jackson has put the Knicks in. First things first, when you got the temerity, the audacity, the unmitigated guard to tell yourself to tell everybody that you deserve executive of the year because you cleared the house and tanked the season for the fourth pick to draft this guy when there was surefire bets in Emmanuel Moutier and Justice Winslow on the board. It's disgusting. The New York Knicks fans were at the Barclays Center booing because we recognize that we have been hoodwinked, bamboozled, led astray, run amok, and flat out deceived by Phil Jackson and New York Knicks. Yo, that is so, absolute gold. Wait, but let's so just point out that he was absolutely wrong about Emmanuel. Yeah, that's Moutier. what I was going to say. So Moutier actually ends up back on the Knicks, and was he was fine for us, but no, he can't dribble two guys at the same time. That is word for word. It was the funniest shit ever. Porzingis ended up being the best player we've had, and then they trade him for cap space, and we'll talk about the cap space that we have for Durant in a little. Uh, what about one of my about, one of my personal favorites of all time? And like I watch this on YouTube all the time is when uh, the Lakers traded Kwame Brown way back when. I know you got that in your in your bag. Yeah. So the interviewer goes, did the Los Angeles Lakers give up too much for a guy who has been labeled soft, although he does put up 19 and 9, which only 11 other players in the NBA do? Is that a trick question? They gave up Kwame Brown. Who cares? I could care less. Listen to some. When you're giving up first-round picks, when you're a team like the Los Angeles Lakers, it doesn't mean that much. Second of all, and more importantly, Kwame Brown is gone. The city of Angels, Hollywood, you should be celebrating. Throw a parade already. This guy's a bona fide scrub. He can't play. I mean, no disrespect whatsoever, but the guy's got small hands. He can't really catch the ball. He's got slow feet, although he's mobile, doesn't really know what he's doing, does not have a post move that, that he pushed to memory that he can do two times in a row. And you're asking me if they gave up too much? I mean, please. The Los Angeles Lakers knew exactly what they were doing, and Kobe Bryant should not be saying a word. I have no words. I, I'm kind of bummed that we have to mute ourselves. We've heard it our entire life, and it literally doesn't get old. And I, I feel like the Real Sports fam will appreciate it, uh, maybe even more if we had been laughing, but we would have been cackling, and no one would have even been able to hear Like I had to put myself on mute. Um, I need one more. Uh, I need I need Jamarcus Russell, Ev. Oh, yeah. End us with Jamarcus Russell. I am a believer in second chances. I believe America is the land of second chances, except for when it comes to this dude, Mr. Jabba the Hutt, you fat, slobbly, no good, lazy bum of a quarterback. 
Oh, come on, Stephen. That's a little harsh. No, that's what he was with the Oakland Raiders. Darren Wilson was in here yesterday. Ask him. Ask any member of the Oakland Raiders who played alongside this dude. This dude should be arrested for thief, for being a thief. He stole money from the Oakland Raiders for years. I'm talking $40 million. Had about five starts. Did absolutely nothing. He cashed in the money. Evidently used it all on buying a bunch of donuts. Never gave two cents about the Oakland Raiders organization. Didn't care whether they won. Didn't care whether they lost. Constantly changed his expression. The only time we ever saw him give a speck of effort was when he was literally caught on camera blowing his nose. This dude is the epitome of a disgrace. Period. I was cracking up. Classic. The donuts is just it. And the funny thing is, like, you're not making this up. Stephen A actually said this, and for him to say this on air is just like, it's amazing. Kings say Kings, <laughs> man. He's the GOAT. All right, Evan. Thank you for coming on and performing as Coach John Gruden, Stephen A, Breen, Mark Jackson, and the rest. We appreciate your time. Thanks, Evan. If we get any more, like, memorable Stephen A rants or Gruden throughout Hard Knocks, we might need you get get you back on. No problem, boys. Good, good to be here. Also, final thing, a teammate of the Live to Ball uh, charity basketball team that Abe and I will be playing on. So we will hopefully be bringing, bringing home that ring. Just a week away. Donations uh, can still be made to the Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Link in my Instagram bio. Would Just really appreciate if you guys could donate. Yeah, we raised... Uh, eighteen hundred dollars in 24 hours or really two over two grand in 24 hours so if you guys are interested in getting involved shoot abe or i a dm or evan and donate to a really good cause thanks guys thanks abe that was an amazing little thing we just did with evan that i hope the real sports fam enjoyed that did you enjoy that that was unbelievable. Oh, my God. I wonder how many people were sitting on pins and needles the entire time thinking, like, is this actually John Gruden? <laughs> I mean, it literally sounds just like him. Um, so we're going to have Evan refine his little impersonations, and then we'll bring him back for some surprise appearances in the future. We're sorry we kind of are swindling you guys with that little tease, but I thought it was, I thought it was at least entertaining. But- how, about we, how about we one time we bring Evan on and we just don't tell them that it's Evan again? <laughs> they have to actually figure out if we had on like Mike Breen. Or, yeah, we can Photoshop a, a photo of us two and John Gruden that we took <laughs> after the recording. They'll never know. Yeah. Um, all right. But at the end, we talked and <laughs> we, we mentioned, uh, you know, Stephen A and how he would feel about the reports that came out today. And so two things came out. Kevin Durant, for one, he said that it wasn't the Warriors' fault. He wanted to come back. No one forced him to do anything. And then two, which is, I don't know how to feel about it just quite yet. Who cares, but he said if, Who cares? If he was leaving the Warriors, that the Knicks were never in play, Shocker. which I guess shouldn't surprise Shocker. anyone. Um, the one interesting thing, though, that I want to point out is that Haynes, who's his guy, allegedly, was telling us all through free agency that the Knicks were going to get him. And so now he interviews him and he's saying that the Knicks were never in play. So like this just further proves that if you're going to trust anyone, I don't even know if I can trust Shams. It's pretty much Woj or bust at this point. I mean, Woj Woj is king. But the whole like I want to talk about the the fact that the Warriors didn't rush him back. Um, Are you buying it? Buy or sell? I'm buying it to a certain extent. Like – Say Kevin Durant didn't have all that. Like, say somehow the Warriors didn't win two rings. Like, they came up short both times, game seven in both. 
if Kevin Durant didn't have all that success in Golden State, would he have said this? Like, is he is he doing the Warriors um, organization a favor by not putting them on blast? You know? Yeah, there's definitely the potential for that. Um, but in regards to the Knicks, as usual, man, who cares? What can go wrong will go wrong. Yeah, so that was actually the third thing I wanted to add in. The last thing in the report was that, uh, so it was an interview, but then there was also a whole report done by a doctor, and he said uh, there actually is hesitation with him. Understand that Kevin Durant's one of the greatest athletes, especially in basketball history. He's one, he's probably one of the best scorers, if not really the best. Uh, but he, him this or doctor, Mello, him or Mello. <laughs> this doctor really does have concerns for Durant coming off the Achilles. Abe and I obviously have a bet. I think he's going to come back to full form in his first full season. No, I think but, he'll average like 26.8, you know, maybe 26.9. <laughs> and I have 27 or over, <laughs> which is, you know, so maybe I don't want to make it about the Knicks, but I will. And I think that there's definitely a nervous energy that there's going to be when he returns because I don't think the Nets are going to be very good this year. Like they'll be a playoff team, but I I don't think they're anything more than uh, maybe they get the second round. They're not an Eastern Conference Finals team. And then when if Durant comes back and they have all that money tied to those two, and Durant's not special, Kyrie's not a leader, and they paid DeAndre Jordan ten mil a year just so they would so he would bring KD and Kyrie, we could see the Nets kind of fall apart uh, from the original model that they built, which was like draft well and build your own talent. So I'm curious to see how this plays out. Obviously, we have 18 to 24 months. I'm most curious for game 82 of the 2020 season. We might have to live stream that. If KD is like floating around like 26, 28 points on average and it's coming down to that game, we might have to live stream like our reactions throughout. That would be fun. That was like Russ was supposed to be near like his triple-double averages and then he had like 19 in game 81 or something. Um, all right. So next thing on our list was it's Mike Trout's birthday today, correct? August 7th. Happy birthday, Mike. Happy birthday, Michael. So a uh, fun question posed was who is the best athlete? So did he turn 28? He turned 28 today. Okay. So best athlete in sports, 28 or under. Take it for what it's worth. Best athlete physically, best athlete accomplishments, best overall athlete, best in their sport. So the four options are Trout. Aaron Donald, Giannis, or Kawhi. So I'm going to start, and I'm actually going to eliminate Kawhi Leonard, which may be a crazy thing because out of the four, he's by far accomplished the most. I think he's one of the best players in the NBA. We know that. But I feel like this question is more about youth. Like who's fully entering their prime right now? Giannis is the most entering his prime. I would say Aaron Donald is the most dominant uh, in the player in the NFL, realistically, but to me, it's it's the guy's birthday. It's Mike Trout. He's the best baseball player potentially ever. I don't ever. think it's potentially. And they are, I don't think it's potentially. You think he's the best baseball player he, ever? All right. So the these baseball nerds nowadays, you know how like they love analytics and everything. Yeah. So the one of the biggest stats in baseball now is WAR, and it's called wins above replacement. And I'll read the the literal definition for you guys. War measures a player's value in all facets of the game by deciphering how many more wins he's worth than a replacement-level player at his at his same position. For example, if a shortstop and a first baseman offer the same overall production on offense, defense, and the base pass, the shortstop will have a better war because his position sees a lower level of production from replacement-level players. So Mike Trout 
actually has the highest war of all time. Um, no, he's excuse me. For players under 28 or 28 or under, he has the third highest war of all time. And the two people that are ahead of him are two pitchers that pitched over 100 years ago. So for me, I throw, <laughs> I throw them out. But he's ahead of guys like Tony Gwynn who like never, ever got out essentially or struck out. Um, but yeah, like you said, Mike Trout is potentially one of the best players of all time. I personally think he is. Um, he's on route. He's on he, route to his third. He's really he was. He's realistically going to have to accomplish something in the sport, whether that's, you know, getting yeah, to a I World Series, winning playoff. reason. Exactly. So, like, that's our thing is, like, I know it's related to the team around him, and you cannot – that's probably the toughest sport to carry a team, right, baseball, maybe hockey, but I feel like even in hockey you have more of an opportunity, and especially if you're a quarterback in football or, you know, a star in NBA. So it's not all on him, and they've really put some bad pieces around him, but – to become the greatest ever, he's going to have to win at least one World wow, Series. I don't think that's true, man. Like, like I said, these baseball uh, nerds are all about analytics and stuff nowadays. And if they, if you have the numbers to back yourself up in terms of uh, these crazy stats that they're just invent, inventing by the day, like a lot of people say Trout is the best to ever do it. Babe Ruth was playing, uh, just eating hot dogs and smoking yeah. cigarettes on the bench, hitting 70 mile an hour <laughs> pitches, if that, out of the ballpark. And Trout's doing it where guys are throwing harder than they ever have. Um, he's doing it in the era of the shift. But, I mean, this guy is special. Like To me, it's a no-brainer uh, that he's hands down. I mean, he's debatably entering his prime right now. A baseball player's shelf life is a lot bigger than uh, football or basketball. So he's debatably not even in his prime. I mean, he's going to win the MVP this year. He's been top two six of the last seven years in MVP voting. I, it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah. And uh, once again, this is the worst part about making decisions like that is like, he's not, this isn't disrespecting Kawhi Leonard, a two times final MVP, Giannis, who's entering his prime, just won an MVP, or Aaron Donald, who I think is one of the most he's, dominant he's the defensive best. He's players the best player in ever. football right now. Yeah. And who will continue to be. So that's just more an ode right. to Mike Trout. And another question we want to talk about, which I think is a fun <laughs> hypothetical. I don't necessarily love it because it's very tough to consider. Um, Yeah, but it's just like a weird concept to think about. But we'll we'll go through it. Before we we get into this, I want to do do justice for this. Uh, My boy Alex Browndorf sent this to me this morning uh, in a group chat. Nice, interesting conversation, some banter. But I think there was a consensus like between two answers what the answer would be. But Jack, go ahead and read it. All right, which player becomes the worst out of these six? And we're taking away a trait from the players. So we'll just start with the, un, with the like, they're not going to become the worst. You take away LeBron's sheer power, so his strength. You take away Kawhi's defense. Okay, so those two, obviously they become worst players, but LeBron's passing and Kawhi's scoring is enough to make them, you know, strong NBA players. Take away Harden's handles. I don't necessarily think that that's the top part of his game. I think it's his hesitation moves. Foul. Not a a dribble. Yeah. uh, Foul drop shooting. Uh, It's really his change of pace that that throws defenders out. CP3's court vision, I could could actually see that taken away a lot, but his leadership and his defense. His leadership? He is a leader. I'm not saying. What? 
Whether you like drama, it or not. No, no, no. I understand that. I, I don't mind Chris Paul. But there's been drama on every team he's been on. What do you mean? But he's still a leader. What classifies like, a leader to you? Someone who leads a team and can get people to do stuff. Lead Whether they like it or not. I'm not saying he's... I'm not saying take away like he's the leader of chemistry, but he is a leader. So uh, I, take I away CP3's court vision. That's a little, one of the last leader. thing Chris Paul is. All right. And then here's the two that becomes a debate in our opinion. Take away Steph Curry shooting, which <laughs> just seems tough <laughs> to take from him when we're only taking away like LeBron's power and Harden's uh, handles, or take away Westbrook's athleticism. So you start. No-brainer again. Westbrook's athleticism. You take not a no brainer. Okay, okay, this is my opinion, but but it's not a no brainer. I'll get to it. So you take away Russell Westbrook's athleticism, and I don't think he's an NBA player at that. Like his entire game, him in transition, him in the half court, just speeding towards the basket. These electric dunks. These his ability to go zero to sixty full court, run the entire court while also seeing the floor. Like what can Russell Westbrook do well that doesn't stem from him being an athletic freak? That's a genuine question. Is that an open question? Okay. Um, Yeah, obviously I had to rebut that because I knew that was coming. So my things that Russ does well, one, I think he's an excellent passer regardless of his athleticism. I think his athleticism obviously aids it. He can get to spots easier, but his vision is pretty strong. Uh, I think he's a solid defender. How much of a – his athleticism draws from that. I would probably say a decent amount, but he clearly seeks the ball out. He understands where to be at the right time. His explosiveness then can get him to steal balls. Maybe he's just in the right spots. The way that he, so, the way that he gets to the cup is pure athleticism and finishing yeah, at the rim. Absolutely. Obviously he has the finesse at the rim, but like you got to get there first and that's how he's getting there. And the one thing about Russ is like the past few years, he's been a really bad shooter, but I think he's actually a somewhat average shooter if you look at the scope of his career. The past few years obviously have just destroyed his numbers, and I don't know what it necessarily draws from, but maybe he has to shoot a lot more shots because his team didn't have a ton of uh, offensive weapons. But I think overall he's a decent shooter. Now, my answer to the question is Steph Curry, and you know I think Steph is one of the best players in the league. Four months ago, four months um, ago he was the best player in the league to you. Yeah, he was, and he missed the shot, which was so close. Um, but I think, at, like you said with Russ, it's everything stems from the game. Let me start on the defensive end. Steph is not a good defender. That's known. The Warriors are going to struggle mightily with him and D'Lo in the back. Speaking of which, let me interrupt. Did you see – Yeah, I was about to say. Jack and the Giant Beanstalk crossing up Steph in like his summer league. Dude, yeah. he just needs to either go with Aisha on her cooking shows, spend his summer there – or just don't record yourself working out. You can't just be getting cooked by seventh graders and then have it go viral on Instagram. Is actually a seventh grader? I'm pretty sure it's a seven footer. I don't think he was in seventh grade. Oh, whatever. Yeah, the seven footer. But <laughs> well, like, so it, people, it actually looked like, wait, to me, it actually looked like Steph was like full on playing defense yeah, and trying. The kid made a really nice move and then finished with a very nice dunk. He used Steph's move on him. Exactly. A lot of people were actually giving credit to the seven footer. Obviously, Steph should not be getting blown by by. Any seven footer that's not Kevin Durant. Um, so I say take away Steph shooting. He doesn't have on the defensive end, and everything that he draws from on the offensive end, his floater game, his touch, his ability to pass and create, all comes from shooting. If you don't have to guard Steph at the perimeter, he's not blowing by anyone. He's not dunking on anyone. No, but he is. He is 
crossing you up with his ball handling abilities. Like, yeah, but but that he with he behind Kyrie probably has the second best ball handling. May Harden second or third best ball handling ability. And like, what's very underrated about Steph Curry's game is his ability to score below the basket in the paint. Like his finishing. That's literally my whole point with this is that his handles are so dangerous because of the step back and then like the fake step back and go and drive and then get to the rim or kick. And the reason is he can finish under the rim with his floaters or his layups is because people have to respect that three. And if no one had to respect it, I, I don't see no, him. No, no, no. At, I think, I think more this question, this question wasn't saying like, okay, Ben Simmons and Steph Curry switch jump shots. Right, like right. we're the point where, these defenders are playing seven feet off of them. Like let's, let's be a little less hypothetical with this and say like, he still has a respectable jump shot that you have to like guard. It's just, he's not the best shooter of all time. You know what I mean? He might not be a 35% three point shooter, but like you're going to have to guard him. And if you are guarding him, um, you're still in fear of a shot in general. So you're going to have a hand up. You're going to be wary of that. But then, like I said, his ball handling ability can get past you um him just like russ he's a great passer he can see people all over see clay in the corner and then he's he's able to finish at the cup i just think russ's entire game is built on the roots of him being this athletic specimen where if you take that away he's not a good enough shooter um he's not a good enough defender i mean he's a good defender he's not a great defender but like i don't think russ is in the nba dude all right, I think that's an interesting I'm not a Russ one. hater, but I'm not a Russ hater. <laughs> Which I right. me. Um, that's a good one to throw on the gram. RS pod, follow the pod. We hit five, over 5,000 followers, and we've only been at this for a couple months. So thank you, Real Sports okay, fan. We appreciate it. Uh, one, one more thing before we get into the last thing. Giveaway coming soon for the new Kyrie's. Uh, you'll have your pick of size and style, SpongeBob, Squidward, Patrick, whichever ones. They come out August 10th, so stay tuned for a giveaway on that. Final topic of the episode 18, Peyton Manning, right? He's 18. Yep, he was 18. Didn't we figure that out? He's not 19, is he? No, he's not 19. He's 18. All right, and we got to think of some other 18s. Last thing, though, Zeke is holding out. He says he will not play until he gets a contract. Uh, or he'll sit out week one and then further. Your initial thoughts on the division rivals? Uh, Zeke, enjoy Mexico, my dude. Keep relaxed <laughs> out there. Enjoy the sun. Enjoy not getting beat up. Just, just enjoy. I, I, I want you to be happy. Um, so that's my thought as an Eagles fan. As a, I guess we can call myself a podcaster, right? It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird. Yeah, that. That's kind of what we're right, doing. Yeah. Um, so they have Dak to pay who they got at extreme value. He was a fourth-round pick. He made a couple hundred thousand this first few years. I think he's up to $2 million now this year. So they have his contract expiring, which I think his expires at the end of this year, whereas Zeke has two years left. He's getting like $3 million this year, and it's supposed to be like nine next year. So you have Dak, who quarterback, most important position in sports, as I've said. Zeke, who's been, if he wasn't suspended two years ago, he probably would have been the leading rusher the past three years. Kareem Hunt was the leading rusher in 2017. And Amari Cooper, who they brought in. So not to mention Jalen Smith. Uh, his contract's up either this year or next year. Leighton Van Der Esch is going to have to get paid. So it's really interesting to see what Dallas is going to do with this. Um, what are the Cowboys without Ezekiel Elliott, though? Like, How good is, is Dak Prescott? 
Um, no, yeah, like, are you actually like, do you asking me? Think that the Cowboys like Dak needs Zeke more than Zeke needs Dak? Like, what do you what do you think? It's a good question because my whole thing. You talk about quarterback being the most important, and I talk about running back being one of the least important positions in sports, maybe uh, or in football, maybe in sports. Um, but what Zeke does to Dak is bring him play action and bring him time to throw, which is vital for a quarterback that we both agree is a very average player. Um, I, I, we know Dak's going to get paid because Jerry Jones loves him. Jason Garrett loves him. And that's what you do is you pay anyone who even slightly resembles a franchise quarterback, whether or not they can bring you a Super Bowl, someone who's a mainstay and a consistent quarterback. So they're going to pay him. Uh, they gave up a ton of draft capital to acquire a first round pick. Well, like that they would have used on a receiver. So like essentially that. So, but but point being, they're going to need to pay him for, for, they got from our boy, John Gruden. (laughs) Um, And so I don't know what that leaves for Zeke because you can't win. If you're paying your quarterback 30 mil, you're paying a, a star wide out big bucks and you're paying a star running back. That's not how you win NFL games. You need the front line and on offense and defense. So whether or not they decide to pay Zeke, I actually would try and trade him. Oh, I'm not wow. kidding. Uh, I think I think people will say it's a hot take. I think it's just the right thing to do. Get what you can get for him and be smart about it. A lot of people won't do it because it's like if you trade Zeke, one of the top running backs in the league, people are going to say you're an idiot and you'll probably get fired for it. So it's it's a tough decision so to out make. Of the three, out of the three, trade. you're prioritizing Dak as the most important to pay? Well, who I pay, would. If you're, if you're I mean, Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, who are you paying first? I'm taking all three of those players and trading yeah. all three away and restarting because you, you can't okay, do well, anything. Right, with well, them. I'm not That's... letting you do that. So, cause you know, oh, the yeah, Cowboys dude. won't do that. So, so in Europe, in who do you, who would you pay first? If you were in the Jones family, I would pay. Um, I mean, you're saying essentially max them out, like no, pay I mean, them what it they came out. Pay. It came out that all three of them have tables on the, have offers on the table. Apparently that would each right. make them a top five player at their position. Quarterback. Let's okay. go through Dak. Okay. Quarterback, um, the people that are up for these contracts now are like the Carson Wentz who just got paid, the Jared Goffs. He's had more production essentially in his first two years. Um, he's led them to a couple division titles. Um, he has a playoff win under his belt. So he's shown that he can string together some football wins, but it depends on who's by his yeah. side. Now, Zeke, I mean, right. they'll all be in the realm of top three. Zeke may be top, th- or top five apparently. Zeke, on the other hand, may be top three, which leaves him in like the Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell uh, field. But she's in. He's the one that's actually in the category. It's just I put zero no, I, yeah, I need that. to I pay mean, running back. There, there's leverage all around. Like Zeke has the leverage of look what I've done um, on my rookie contract. Look what I've brought to this football team. But the Cowboys can go to the go to Zeke and be like, listen, dude, like you've had a couple slip ups off the field, like. How how do we how do we know that Plus, we can trust you running. to keep a right head on your shoulders so you're able to continue to produce like that? So the Cowboys have that leverage, and he's running behind the best what? O line. That, that's another fact. He's running behind the best O line in the league, so they could say go try it out somewhere else and, right. and see I mean, if you get that money. Like, I mean, some like, like a like a pay Peter, Rob Parker t- type league. Like if you give a dollar to Zeke, you're gonna have to take a dollar from somebody else, and like. It's so hard to win a Super Bowl. Your, your roster has to be so balanced all around. 
And I think you and I both value um, the front seven of a defense way more than the running back. And like I said, Jalen Smith, who's been great for them, is going to need a contract soon. Leighton Van Der Esch. So it's just about fitting these guys in right where you're able to keep other players. You asked me. I didn't really give a strong answer. I'm going to say I would go Dak just because you. I guess you go for the franchise quarterback, and I don't want to pay a running back. I wouldn't pay Amari Cooper either. His production they give just floats top between five yeah, like that's crazy. So, do you agree? Is that I would pay? How you I mean, it, it all it all comes down to numbers. Like, I would definitely pay Dak first, um, just because like you yeah. need a quarterback. The bottom line, I don't think he'll get more than Carson did. I think he'll, maybe he'll float around like I don't know twenty five a year. Zeke, I think I think all these guys will end up getting signed. By the way, before the season starts, um, you think all three get the deals that are rumored? I think from all the three Cowboys? of them are playing Week One on Dallas. Yeah, but like. Also interesting thing, Dallas has the easiest strength of schedule in the first three weeks. I think they play the Giants, the Redskins, and the Dolphins. So if they start 3-0 and and say Zeke doesn't play, but Amari and Dak do, does the leverage lean Dallas's way? Listen, we don't need you as much. Or like Zeke says, you just played dumb and dumber for the first three weeks. You need me. And then, and then it'll be interesting to see how it goes. But I definitely think that well, Amari's going to play regardless of a new contract or not. So is Dak. But I, I think they'll get a deal done with Zeke. It's an excellent point that you just brought up. And I'm actually, I, I think that's amazing to think about. And I hope, I, it would be cool to see that come to fruition. To see right. them be just, two just and one or three up and then have to make that decision. Um, all right, Real Sports fam. Thank you for listening to episode 18. Of Thanks the to Coach Gruden. Yeah, thank you, Coach Gruden, Stephen A., Mike Breen, the whole cast of characters. Who Get out of my room. And Evan Heller. Um, uh, make sure you subscribe to the pod. We will have ep- new episodes every Mondays and Thursdays before you guys wake up. Even you Euro audience that we love, the Australians that we love, all Jeremy. of you. Thank you guys for listening. Peace. Jeremy Macklin, also one of my favorite number 18s. Shout out Jeremy Macklin.